Hello and welcome to Dancers, the only YouTube show with the same video quality as the VHS tape of the wedding of your now divorced aunt and uncle. My name is Dan Donahue uh, on social media, not bad Dan. And yesterday I was discriminated against. 27 years I've gone without being discriminated against. I have to say I've had a pretty smooth ride up to this point as a straight white man. But yesterday that streak was broken because I went to a waxing place. And I'm going to be straightforward with you. Got my ass waxed. Some of you might not be comfortable with that. But I can tell you right now, a lot of the men out there who have never had their ass waxed, who are watching this, are going, how did it feel? What does it feel like now? Okay, and let me tell you, the after effects, pretty great. Feel smooth, feel clean, feel ready to start the day. I feel as though I'm talking to people with more confidence. I feel as though I'm closing deals now. I feel as though I could get a luxury car like a Lexus, nothing too fancy, but something solid like a Lexus, and I could walk around with that Lexus and feel like I deserved it. The issue came when I walked into the waxing place and the woman at the front desk was very nice to me, and I saw that the service I was getting, a deep butt wax, which is what they call it, which hey, if you want more guys like me to come and ch change the name of that, please. They charge $10 more for men than for women. And I freaked out. I started screaming at the front desk. I started raising hell. I started a fire. I called the police. No, of course I didn't. And honestly, I think ten only $10 more for men is a steal. I told my friend that and he was like, that's discrimination. And I was like, the fact that they didn't charge me $2,000 to get my disgusting man ass waxed is crazy. And I could tell that they didn't want me to be there. There's, there was a very distinct vibe of like, we want to get you in and we want to get you out and you're done and we don't want to handle you. And that's fine. I'm sure having straight guys in that place is not a normal situation. It's like if I took my Prius in to a Ferrari dealership, they maybe they'd say yes if I paid them the right amount of money. They're not happy working on it. They're like, this is nothing like what we usually work on. This isn't fun. So they got me in and they got me out. The woman was like, get on the table. And I was like, what position do you want me in? And she kind of like rolled her eyes. It was like on your back and you put your legs up. Very vulnerable position for someone to be talking to you as though, you know, you're a car. But I will say this, very professional, got it done. The only issue I have now is when I shower and I feel my ass, it feels like a woman's ass. And that makes me feel things that I didn't think I would ever feel for myself, okay? But I would recommend it. Try it once, guys. Because every woman I've ever been with has had a well-maintained ass area. And it's important to know what goes into that. That's how I feel, at least. Uh, this week has been going great other than that. Although, I will say this. I have been succumbing to video game addiction. I never play video games, but three days ago as a reward... I downloaded this super old computer game called Rome Total War, and I'm addicted to it. I, I mean, I'm playing it five hours a day. I'm thinking about it when I'm not playing it. And it's really embarrassing to get addicted to such an old, simple video game. It's like 
getting addicted to non-alcoholic beer. It's like, what are you even doing? At least get addicted to the hard stuff. But it's like people, and people talk down on video games. I have nothing bad to say about video games in general. I can only talk about my experience. But when you talk about your experience with things, people think that you're extrapolating. I think some people have a very healthy relationship with video games. I do not. I think some people have a very healthy relationship with pornography. I've never met them, but they must be out there, right? I'm sure that there's someone who's like, ah, I will have a bit of porn, like just to satiate for a couple of minutes, just as an appetizer. I've never met that person, but I'm sure they're out there and I'm sure they're doing great in their life. Not me. Not when I, when I go into something, I tend to go too far, right? When I watch porn and I open that gate, it tends to be every single day until I say no more. And I think a lot of people are like that. And when it comes to video games, I am the same way. I Because I don't give it to myself, so I feel like there's also a little bit of... You don't want to open the gate. I feel like I'm just going to delete it from my laptop. Or maybe I'll just become a gamer. And this will just become a gaming thing. You, It would be so funny if... The next episode of Dancers, I come in and like my hair's all fucked up and my shirt dripped and I'm, oh, hey, uh, welcome to Dancers. I haven't done comedy in a week and a half. Uh, jeez, oh man. Well, anyway, my phalanx is doing good, but uh, you know, negotiations with the Gauls aren't going well, and I'm I'm just completely in that world. That could happen. I just want to warn you guys. That could be the next stage of Dancers is I completely devolve into a video game addict. I'm really good at stopping myself with that stuff. Like, as easy as it is for me to get addicted to things, I feel like it's just that easy for me to get out of it. But, yeah, like, porn and video games, not drugs or alcohol, really. I don't know why. My body is fine. It's my brain that's messed up. Like, my body takes an alcohol, and it goes, ooh, this is not good. But my brain takes in video games, and it's like, we should do this all the time every single day. It's funny, I was I just at a party the other day, uh, and it was not good. I, I have to say this about partying. If you love drinking and, like, taking drugs and stuff, which is not knocking that at all. Not gonna, I hate this expression, yuck your yum. If you use that expression, you're probably in a polyamorous relationship, and uh, and that's fine. But those are, that's the only person who should be saying yuck your yum. I feel like you're wearing a shawl if you're saying yuck your yum. You smell like patchouli oil if you say yuck your yum. But I go to this party and everybody's having a good time. And I find if I go to a place where there's no game or goal, like I went to bowling yesterday, that shit was awesome. Bowling is great because those little moments of silence are filled with you getting hyper-competitive with people to the point where you're screaming at them in a bowling alley, and that's what fun is for me, okay? That's what I need. I need to be playing darts to the point where I'm telling someone that I will uh, I will take their family out if they hit this shot. I want to be doing axe throwing where I eventually turn the axe on the other person in a fit of blind frustration because I didn't hit the bullseye when they did. These healthy sort of games we play. No, but I, I do, when I go to parties and there's nothing going on, I feel super uncomfortable. I think a lot of people are like that. When you go to just a party where it's just drinking, that's why people drink so much, I feel, because there's nothing going on. And people knock beer pong. Let me say this. Sure, you shouldn't be playing it past the age of 21. 
right? But when I was at those parties, it gave me something to look at or do, and that was nice. Now you go to places and you're expected to talk to people who have a better job than you, and you're just sitting there going, you make more money than me. I get it. Can we stop? I get that you do shipping and distribution, okay? I'm, I'm done with this conversation. Let's wrestle or something. <laughs> that's, how, that's how stupid my brain is, is I'm literally like, I would rather be wrestling a stranger than having a very polite conversation with them. But hey, there's a lot of people out there like that, okay? I'm not the only one like this. Okay, we're going to get into some questions. The first question, which I love, is what is the worst stand-up comedy set you have ever done? I'm not going to say the worst show I ever did. I'll get into that on another episode. I will tell you the worst set I ever had. And the worst set I ever had was a good show, okay? It was in Worcester, Massachusetts. It was in a place called Dick Doherty's Beantown Escape, one of the most prestigious clubs in the entire world. Uh, Dick Doherty is a famous Boston comedy booker who actually recently passed away. Legendary guy. Uh, so it was my first day hosting one of these shows. And hosting means you start the set. And it was my first time ever hosting. So I checked everyone in at the door. They're all seated. It's like middle-aged couples in Worcester. And they're all just trying to have a good time. At the time when I was doing stand-up, I didn't know the difference between like a kind of middle-aged, regular road crowd and the young crowds of college kids I was performing in front of. So I just did my regular set, and my regular set started off with a joke I used to do about working at a graveyard, and it's about poorly attended funerals. Now, if I had considered that maybe a middle-aged crowd that was trying to have fun wouldn't be so into hearing a story about poorly attended funerals. I would have picked different material, but I wasn't that smart. So I'm telling this joke about poorly attended funerals, and I'm looking out into the audience, and I'm slowly realizing as I'm telling the joke, which you never want to realize something while you're telling a joke. You always just want to be in the joke. But I'm realizing these people aren't too far away from demise, right? If you're a middle-aged person in Worcester, Massachusetts, you have 15 years left. And they're hearing me tell this story and they're like, "We're this is our night off. Why are you doing this to us? I see it in their faces. They're going, you are subjecting us to a level of darkness that we do not want and we don't trust you to bring to us. The rest of my set is a level of silence that I cannot convey to you right? It is dead silence. They're not, they're looking at me, but they're not listening to me, which is the worst feeling. I would rather have people be talking to each other than silently watching me and accepting that I'm not funny. I'm sweating. And I don't know if you've ever had fear sweat. It's like sweat mi mixed with some substance that I didn't know my body produced. It's a smell that you can't even comprehend is inside of your body coming out I'll bet the front row smelled it because I went home from that set I will not forget this I was living on a friend's couch at the time I didn't even have I was living half in my car and half on my friend's couch which by the way uh funny living situation that I'll get into later I was living on the couch in this living room and on the love seat was another guy another guy lived on the love seat so that's what I had to go home to after this traumatic event. 
but my whole set is just nerves and flop sweat and fear and bombing. The worst part about it was I then do my job, which is bringing up the first comic. And the first comic, who I've seen do okay, he was fine. He wasn't like a, a, you know, a virtuoso, but he did the job. They went crazy for him. Not necessarily just because he was doing well. I think just because they were so relieved that I was off stage. So I have to bomb, watch this guy crush, go up again, bring up a... To dead silence. By the way, when I go back up, I'm like, hey, that guy's great. This is them in the audience. Okay, well, here's your next comic. <sighs> they freak out. It's a room full of 70 people. It sounds like 160 when I bring up the next comic, who then crushes again and crushes again. And then the headliner goes up, has a great set. I say, all right, good night, everybody. Nothing. Again, nothing. It was just so crazy to experience that sort of thing. Uh, and I learned a lesson from it, which was if you want to get into dark stuff, it has to either be the right audience or you have to make the audience trust you. And I wasn't good enough to make the audience trust me at that point. So that was kind of the learning lesson from that. And I think that's true with people too. I think that a lot of people like the I hate small talk people will get too dark with people too quick and they'll get too personal with people too quick. And it's like vulnerability is great, but you have to have a level of like trust with that person. Like it has to be trust and then vulnerability, I feel. So I hope that answers that question. I hope that was a fun little answer. Okay, second question. Can you be friends with your exes? Uh, very simple question. Very interesting question. I'm, I guess I'm just going to answer it personally because everyone's different. Some people can be like best friends with their exes. Some people never want to talk to their exes again. I fall somewhere in the middle. I feel like you should treat your exes like a celebrity that you see. Do you know what I mean? Like the proper way when you see an ex in public is the same way that you would treat a celebrity in public where you go up to them and it, at most you're like, hey, like, hey, love your stuff. And then you move on. That That's how I usually am. Some of them I have more communication with others. But at most, it's like if you saw a celebrity on the street, it's like, oh, hey, like, I know you. And then you just kind of pass it over. That's how, that's me. I like to kind of separate church and state with that sort of thing. But that's sort of how I, you treat it like a celebrity sighting. If you saw Jonah Hill, you wouldn't go up to Jonah Hill and be like, hey, let me text you a bunch. No, you would be like, super bad. And then you keep going. Keep it pushing, baby. Uh, this last question is a question about the questions, which is interesting. Someone asked, how much do you rehearse your answers? Do you outline your responses or wing it? I read the questions once, and then I think usually kind of an answer will solidify in my head. And then I'll just kind of blurt out whatever that is. That's kind of where I'm at with pre-writing. I don't like pre-writing. I think it's more natural to have it more like a conversation. I want to talk to you people. I want to get to know you. I hate it when people do that, when they're like, we're all friends. It's like, well, I, I like you guys. You know, you're not coming over my house anytime soon. I'll tell you that much. None of you are getting in the kitchen, okay? That's not a good place to end this. That's not advised for... Uh, content is to distance yourself from the audience but hey I'm not your I'm not your typical creator I'm a little bit punk rock um thank you guys for listening 
uh, please subscribe. I'm again trying to get to a thousand subscribers. Any subscription really helps. And uh, if you want to follow me on other stuff, check out my Instagram and give this a thumbs up and comment a question. I would love to hear your questions. So thank you so much. Appreciate it.